Welcome to the Metro Detroit Pastors Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Bushry. This is our second journey episode, highlighting the planning of another church in Metro Detroit. Uh, This time, we're going to focus in on a particular kind of church planting. Maybe not the sort of thing that you think of when you hear the phrase church planting, uh, the starting of new churches. Uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar with church planting, there are different kinds of church plant. Each has their own strengths and obstacles, weaknesses, uh, things to watch out for, uh, strategies, values. Uh, it's a, they're, they're different kinds of the same sort of, of ministry. Uh, there's, for instance, the pioneer plant. Uh, this is when a church planter just moves to town and starts uh, sharing the gospel and gathering people and raising leaders and forming ministries. This is, this is the guy that just parachutes into town and uh, maybe he's sent out by a denomination, maybe he's not, maybe he's just coming from a church, maybe he's straight out of seminary, whatever it is, but he has a heart for a community, he goes to that community, and he just starts to make church happen. Uh, This is by far, (laughs) by far, the hardest way to plant a church, uh, at least here in the United States. There are places around the world where this is the only way you can plant a church, and usually uh, this sort of thing is uh, driven by uh, even though it's a pioneer plant, there's a whole uh, missions organization behind the planter who's going in. Sometimes here in the United States, there is an organization, a denomination behind it. A lot of times there isn't. It's just a guy who's flying solo uh, to go plant. Uh, that's one form. There's another form that's called the mother-daughter plant. And this is when a church sends a group of people out from itself to plant a church, usually in a different place, sometimes in a neighboring community, maybe a place that's across the city. Uh, sometimes, uh, depending on, you know, if you're in a college town, for instance, you got a lot of college students. I've even heard of mother-daughter plants where a bunch of college students decide they're going to go to a particular city and get a job in that city right out of college, and they're going to work to plant the church together. This is a lot uh, easier to do. Uh, because it's a, you know, there's a, there's a group of people, this church is daughtering or birthing out another church. And so there's already leadership that's there. There's resources, generally speaking, that are there. And it's a, I believe it's a much easier and much healthier way in some ways, a uh, way of planning a church. There are two types uh, of other church planting that are closely related. There's the replant and the revitalization. Now, these methods are used when a church dwindles down to a very small group. Often this group is dysfunctional in some way. They usually love each other a lot. They usually want to stay together as a church. They they desire to be a gospel presence in the community. Uh, But the leaders decide that they've gotten to a place where they have to do one of two things. Either they need to fold their church, bring in new leadership, and start a new church. This is what we call a replant. When a, when a church stops its ministry and then takes the, the resources of the former church to begin a brand new church with a new mission and a new vision. This is the form of church planting that we actually did here back in 2015 with the group that eventually became Doxa Church in Rochester Hills. That's the church I pastor today. So my church, Doxa Church, is a replant. The other thing that a church might do if it gets to this place is instead of doing a replant, it may undergo a revitalization. A lot of churches that are, that are dying will make a big course correction. They're going to change a bunch of things. They're going to breathe new life into the church. 
They may do a whole lot of things that a replant would do, but they don't actually stop and restart uh, their, their services. They just become sort of a different ministry. The different methods of church planting and revitalization have all come about because of different situations. These are all uh, different tools. There's no one right way to plant a church. There's just different ways of doing it and different tools that you can use to either start or to fix churches. And it all depends on the situation that, that you're in. My guest today is Tyler Whitcomb, the leader of a new church in Sterling Heights called Fos Church. Thanks for coming on the show, Tyler. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's, it's good to have you. I've been uh, excited about this show for a while. Uh, Tyler and I have gotten to know each other because we are part of the same uh, pastor mentor group. And so we've, we've met up that way. And uh, I think we actually have some folks here at Doxa, some friends of yours here at Doxa. I think I met you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when you actually attended here. Yeah. We time. met like uh, not last summer, the summer before, and I was doing my first wedding and yeah. this couple just started coming to Doxa and they're like, you got to meet our pastor. And so <laughs> I came to our service and we got to chat afterwards, but you know, then fast forward another year and a half and then we're. And here you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Planting the church. That's really cool. Um, we're going to get into this. Uh, we're going to get into this, uh, this uh, FOS church and what you've been doing and, and exactly what FOS church is. We're going to get that in just a second. But before we get to that, you have to tell us what is going on with that church name. Uh, is, this a, is this a church that's designed around Vietnamese soup? Is that what this is? <laughs> um, some might think so. You know, okay. I, I'm often reminded about all the things that our name sounds like. <laughs> exactly. Um, Hey, this might be a little crass, but uh, somebody told me once that it in Arabic it, the the word "fos" means fart, and I haven't really I haven't checked into it. Don't know if that to be true or it's not. Good thing you're not in Dearborn, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, <Fos> church in Dearborn. <laughs> but yeah, I would say the name. You know, really for me, uh, when this opportunity kind of first ar- uh, arised, arose, uh, I began to start dreaming up of what the church name should be, and. Mm. Um, the Lord kept impressing on my heart this idea about light. You know, you are the light of the world, city set on a hill that can't be hidden. And it's just, you think about churches today and how many churches have a bad reputation. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, we want to be light and darkness. We want to bring help to the hurting. And so, so many of those things. And I said, well, I also don't want to be generic. Right. You know, right. I don't want to be out. like just every other church. And so I was like, yeah, that's totally a millennial thing too. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I said, so it can't be light church. <laughs> and then I came from a college young adult ministry where I was preaching at that was formerly called Lighthouse, and so I said, "Well, Lighthouse is out." Um, yeah, right. <laughs> right. So I said, "Well, let's just look it up in the Greek, the yeah. idea of light." And so that, that's that Greek word and "phos." Uh, yeah. So that's where that's where we got our name from. And um, I began asking some people about it. I said, "Hey, what do you think about this name?" And and I just with a lot of younger people, I just started getting a lot of, yeah, yeah, we love it. But then with some of our older folks, it was like, yeah, people aren't going to know what we are. And, yep. and so there was some of that. And so I just began to say, oh, no, no, people understand, you know, they're going to find us on social media. Right, right. Um, and they'll learn about it. They'll, they'll right. hear the name and they'll be interested and they'll want to know what that means. Um, and this is, I mean, I can't tell you how closely related I am to what you're talking about here because we have the name Doxa Church, which mm. is also the Greek word for glory. Mm. And I had the same exact conversations. And yeah. and and there were a lot of, I think, generally older believers who were really, really skeptical of the idea of, of naming. But it's really taken over time. And I'm sure it will for you guys as yeah. well. 
Yeah. And, and so I, I said, I, I just want to preach the vision that I have for our church. Mm. Um, and so if, if I can, let me preach on what post is. And so I did that. And, and really after that, I saw a ton of camaraderie. And I think had we not seen that, I probably would have said, okay, Lord, you know, what's leave me with something else yeah if they if they continue to bring the pitchforks and mm-hmm. torches to church then you would probably said nah maybe not not the, not the hill i was willing yeah. to die on. <laughs> <laughs> very cool though i love the name i think it's really really mm-hmm. great um so let's let's start with our categories here just a little bit i i think this is it's worth talking about you and i have been talking about this a little bit i i think it's worth uh kind of trying to get a, our brains around it what is false would you say is it a replant or is it a revitalization I think I've lost sleep over trying to define what we're doing. Um, because I think, I think if we had to lean one way, it would be replant. Um, that's at least how I've envisioned what we're doing is almost like a church plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the, the technical term I think that we've began to use is the uh, term rebirth. And so essentially it was, you know, we are going to use the same building. We are going to have the, you know, the existing church be an integral part of what, of what we're going to do next. Um, but it was also, okay, we're going to bring in a new leader. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring in whole new leadership, a new vision, mission, change the name, shut the services down. Um, so that's why I would say we lean on the yeah. replant side. Yeah, it sounds like a lot like a replant. Yeah. Um, but also I just, I could see how some people might say you're revitalizing because the existing church is such a key part of what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, and on your website, it talks about revitalization there too. Well, so, so give us a brief history of Fos Church. How did, how did you find out there was a church in Sterling Heights that was looking for a guy, and how did you get involved in this thing? So um, the Fos Church is uh, part of the Missionary Church USA denomination, um, but the denomination has a regional level and then a um, network level. And so formerly, Fos was called Parkside Community Church, mm. um, and we, they were part of the Metro Detroit network for um, the missionary church and, and the, the director was actually my childhood pastor. Oh, okay. And so when I felt called to ministry, when I was 19, he began, you know, this ongoing discipleship, we were getting together once a week and hmm. we, had, we had such a great relationship. And then, um, I was probably 22 when he kind of released me to the wolves, um, <laughs> where I got to start getting involved in some other ministries. And then, um, at 23, I was over at uh, Woodside Bible Church yeah. um, and get involved in the young adult ministry there. And, and all the while, I never lost communication with um, Pastor Thompson, who's the network director. And, uh, and then, you know, four years fast forward and he's calling me up and saying, okay, hey, you know, we have this church that's hurting. Is this something you want to do? Wow. So, so, so you had that long, kind of, that long connection with that leader mm-hmm. who trained you up and then circled back to you and said, Hey, are you ready for this kind of? Yeah. And interestingly, we, I should have expected that phone call. (laughs) I just wasn't connecting dots. So he he came, we, we get Bud Ruckers one day for lunch and he said, Hey, I want to send you to this church planting conference. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, well, who are some of the speakers and some like that. And so he said some notable names and I was like, well, it's also in Florida. Um, oh, yeah. this big conference called exponential. Oh yeah. Exponential. Sure. I've been to it. So I, I went down there and, you know, got to enjoy sunny Florida for a few days. Yeah. Um, but because this was last end of February when the COVID 
you know, started oh, breaking out. No. And so I'm there and I, I, I got COVID while I was there. Oh, you did? Yeah. I mean, oh, I, man. I started undergoing these like weird sweats, this headache, um, fever. And I'm just like, what's going on? So this was in February. So this was before COVID was really COVID. Right. Yep. Okay. So I, I come home and I had a friend from Milwaukee come in to visit me and we were hanging out in Detroit for the weekend. And I mean, I lost my appetite because I was popping, um, ibuprofen like it was candy yeah and when you I guess when you have covid you shouldn't do that <laughs> oh um now we know that right? now we know but <laughs> i'm like we're out to eat and i and i'm a bigger guy you know i you can eat quite a bit and i was like i can't eat <laughs> and so you know monday comes around and i'm just i'm feeling like i'm dead wow and so i um go to the hospital i had pneumonia they diagnosed it as pneumonia um but then a few weeks later and when the all the testing was becoming accessible i did the antibody test and had the antibodies so sure Huh. Yeah, you know, I was, I was so like, in the process of all this, you're supposed to be getting trained covertly as a church planner because you don't even know this guy's like right. getting you ready. He's priming you up <laughs> right. for this opportunity. Yeah. So then I come home, um, you know, I feel like I'm dying. And then he calls and says, Hey, can we get together and talk about that conference? And so I said, Yeah, but let's wait till like next week when I'm not dying. Right. And so <laughs> that's when he just said, So what, what's your, what's the new next few years? He's like, You know, why not come to this church and be huh. the lead pastor? Wow, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And so, did the group there? Did uh, did Fos or not Fos at the time Parkside? Did they? Did they? Had they already had their process where they had determined that they wanted this too? No. Oh no, yeah. So the network director is playing this game of chess, and nobody's playing but him. Oh my goodness! So he's got both sides of the board, and he's moving the pieces because he wants to you know, get the whole checkmate and he's going to, he's going to try and win the game. Wow. Wow. So does he then go and talk to the leaders at Parkside after he talks with you about this? Yep. So then he began to talk to the interim uh, that was there and said, Hey, you know, got this guy, I think he can come in and, you know, really Hmm. bring some new life to this church. And um, what do you think? And and so our interim was a guy who pastored at Parkside from 90 to 2004 hmm. comes out of retirement when he hears like that, you know, the church is kind of in its final stages, you know, if something doesn't happen. So he's keeping it afloat really till, you know, he doesn't know, or we didn't know what was next. And hmm. so the, uh, our directors began to see some of these things and he figured some of these conversations that he could have with me in the interim, you know, would then start ushering in this, this new plan. Okay. And so you joined on with the church when, when was this that took place? So that conversation took place mid-March, and okay. I don't think I said yes till May. Okay. And then when were you boots on the ground? When were you in the, in the, uh, in the mix for like working with your team? June. In June. Okay. Yep. So when did you launch? When did FOS become a ministry that was... Uniquely its own? Um, yeah. It, so rewinding a little bit. So in June, I had already met with their church. I'd already preached for them. Hmm. Um, and then we decided, okay, well because of the bylaws, existing bylaws, you know, the congregation's got to vote on the, on the mm, pastor. And so sure. I preached, um, and I think I, I, I forget, but I think they had some of their even former people come back. So there was 35 mm. members that were present and it was 35 for 35. And <laughs> yes, and I'm thinking to myself, God, this has got to be you. Cause how is there not one elderly person that doesn't want some 26 year old kid <laughs> coming in here? Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I was excited for it. But then, you know, right after that, I kind of unrolled the full plan, you know, of what was going to happen. We we're going to shut services down 
between the months of August and September. You told them you're going to shut down services after they voted you into the role. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's brave. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I said, we're going to shut services down and then we're going to, um, launch in October. Okay. But the church, um, you know, the structure and the foundation was so great, but there, it was, it needed a cosmetic face. Sure. Sure. You yeah. know, I was like, yep. it's 2020 outside. People want to walk in to something that's 2020. Sure. Um, yeah. and were they, were they receptive to that? They were, um, you know, we didn't, I wouldn't say we lost really anybody because of the changes that we did. Now there were some that, you know, thought we turned this place into a lecture forum as opposed to, mm. um, a church. But, you know, for me, the, the thing that I wanted to focus on the biggest or the biggest updating was our lobby. I just said, mm. I don't want to lose somebody in the lobby. Mm. Yeah. You know, if, Psychology says a girl makes up her mind in the first few seconds if she wants to date a guy. Yeah. It's like, I don't want somebody to walk into our church and then look around and say, oh, this is my grandmother's church. You know, yeah. I don't want to yeah. come here. So, so, so how, how has it been like it, one of the hardest things to do, one of the unique difficulties of, of replanting or restarting or doing fresh ministry, revitalizing even, is bringing everyone in your core group to an understanding that you are not simply just making cosmetic, although you did use the word cosmetic tweaks, but mm-hmm. you really are doing something new. Like this is, this is driven by a, a mission and a vision and a set of values that are different and unique. Uh, and a lot of times, and that's why I'm a little thrown in the way you said, you know, they brought me on and then we did this change. Usually that's the sort of thing you talk about beforehand. Like, Hey, what do sure. you guys think about doing this plan? So it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool how, or unique how God uh, has worked in this particular situation. How has it been bringing along the core group with the idea that, yeah, we are going to do something uniquely different? Yeah, I think um, early on I said that change was coming, though. Mm, okay. You know, I didn't, I didn't leave them totally in the dark, but sure. I also didn't unveil the entire, entire sure. plan. So that, sure. that was unique. And, um, but I think people were really receptive to it. Okay. And I think that um, how we got people on board was just kind of looking to the key leaders that were still in the existing church, casting that vision and mission um, because we didn't want to just be our new leadership in here and say, Oh, this is, this is a great Mm -hmm. mission and vision um, and not have any existing people a part of that. So I think that was a huge help. Um, I think the, the interim pastor, um, you know, was a huge help in that, you know, Mm -hmm. the fact that he had such a good relationship with these people for so long and then he came back into the final stages really to help keep this thing afloat was huge um but i also felt like the church was ready for Mm -hmm. that change yeah um you know i think we've all heard that phrase a church that doesn't evangelize fossilizes yeah that's that's where they were you know it was just um 25 or so elderly people gathering on sunday mornings and that's all they were doing they weren't um, so missing some of the components of, of, of a church is mm-hmm. basically what it is. Okay. Cool. And so I, I would say, uh, when we casted the idea that we wanted to be, um, very evangelistic, not on Sundays, you know, I, mm. I made it very clear. I said, Hey, we are going to teach the word in season, not a season. Um, I'm not here to tickle your ears. Mm. Um, I said, but while we won't be a seeker friendly church, we will be friendly towards seekers. Yeah, right. You know, and so that was just kind of how I framed it. But but that was what that was the heartbeat of the existing 
hmm. church that they they said we want we want to see babies here we want to see young families here yeah um and so I think they were just ready to hey if if you believe this is the vision and the mission then let's go cool so what have been some of the obstacles you've the church has been uh, going for a few months now here as far as uh, public services of course. I can't imagine planning a church in, you know, a pandemic yeah. and what that's been like. What what is what have been some of the obstacles you've experienced um uh in in your early planting and and uh uh what what has the Lord been doing in the church since you started? Yeah, you know, I think there's been obviously obstacles. Um A it's a, just a learning process for me. You know, I'm 26, never planted a church before. <laughs> yeah. Um never been the lead guy before. Sure. And so then it was like, okay, there's a lot of things I need to learn and it's almost kind of that trial by fire. Uh, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes mm. in the first few months that I would say, knowing what I know now, what would I do differently? Well, you know, I think there was people I rushed into certain positions mm-hmm. and yep. and saying, okay, well, you know, that almost made me want to pull my hair out. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think the, the main, the, the biggest component has obviously been the pandemic. Mm. Um, you know, people kind of on both sides of the, mm uh issue you know and obviously it's been so politicized that it's really been you know trying to walk a fine line um and not trying to be political about it yep uh but you know i have a, an evangelistic cart and so you know that idea of yeah we want to be a light in this community not on sundays but you know that monday through saturday you know what how can we get involved and be evangelistic has been so difficult because, you know, A, even if you could go out, do people that are out want you? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, I, I, in a, it's hard enough to be a church in a pandemic because churches are gathered people. That's mm-hmm. what church means. It means a group of people, basically. Right. And so groups are the thing we're not allowed to do. I can't imagine trying to create a new group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the longstanding familial ties of the people at Doxa right now that that unites us, which mm-hmm. is so good. And we there's this deep desire to want to be together. But when you're trying to create a new group of people in a time like this, I can imagine that's that's actually quite difficult. Oh, it's extremely difficult. And on top of it, you know, okay, yeah, we're doing this church in a, in a pandemic. We've had hey, so many blessings though. You know, this building's no mortgage. Right. You know, right in the heart of Sterling Heights, it's a great location, and and so the finance that came into a, a situation where, um, you know, we're in the black, you know, we're not in the red, and uh, we're we're doing very well financially, but, uh, you know, building that new culture mm-hmm. when when Parkside was kind of in their final stages, there was um another congregation that was seeking to rent space, and so we have actually a second church. In huh. our building wow. on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning? On Sunday morning. So, wow. So we, we kind of had to be very, you know, flexible <laughs> on timing of things. And it's it, that's been really difficult. As I say, there's, is there enough morning for two churches to meet on Sunday morning? So I'm a long-winded preacher. <laughs> I, I go 40 to 50 on a Sunday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, wow. But the the difficult thing is, okay, well, now we got to keep our services in a hour and 15 minute window. All right. If we're going to start at 10 o'clock, that's probably good discipline for you. It, it is. But you know, there's been times where we go over and I say, Hey, you know, that was spirit led. I'm going to apologize <laughs> later. Uh, Cause can't argue with that. Yeah, you, you, The spirit led card, like it can't fail. You. Yeah, that's right. 
until you announce it on a podcast that that's what you're doing and right. then they hear it and, right. oh man it's I gone now yeah. somebody just took that card right out of your deck man <laughs> let me ask you have you always wanted to be a pastor in this situation i mean did you i guess you've already kind of answered that but have you did you picture yourself doing something like this at any point in your preparation for ministry well you know when i when i was going to that church planning conference exponential um I had gotten involved with the church plant before when I was like first feeling led to ministry when I was like 19. Okay. Um, and, you know, it was just a church that never took off. And, you know, we mm-hmm. uh, had done like door-to-door evangelism and that, sure. that type of thing. And um, it just didn't take off. And I saw how much work that went into it. And then kind of, it can really just like take, you know, the sales out of your, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, yeah, wow, you know, I, it had a vision, you know, and, and I wasn't the main guy, but it was right. still like, you know, what could, what could God do here? And the yeah. God just was like, you know, no, not here, not now. Yep. Um, you know, for whatever reason. And so I think that kind of, I kind of lost the idea of something like a startup, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the ground up. Yep. And then being at Woodside and getting to preach in the college young adult ministry and having so many relationships, it was like, okay, well, if my, if there's a next step, um, I don't envision it being something that I have to go create. You know, I'd like to walk into something that's already there. Sure. Yeah. But I would say that's kind of how one of the, the Lord, I knew yeah. that this was the Lord because kind of just changed my heart on. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually interesting that we're similar in that sense. We're in a different kind of different place in ministry, you and I, but um, have a similar background in that I was part of a plant that where I did, I was the lead guy. And it was a pioneer plan and it was uh, very, very difficult and did, you know, three and a half years of very difficult ministry and did not take. And I walked away from it uh, saying to myself, yeah, I don't think I'm going to church plant anymore. And then this opportunity opened up for me to come and to plant uh, in a situation where the replant and there are people and they, they have a desire, there are resources and they have a desire to, to do ministry and they want to be a team. And I, I learned through that, that I was a team guy. Like I love church planting and I think it's incredibly important, but you learn stuff about yourself mm-hmm. when you go through stuff like you just described, you learn, you know, I, th- there's a way, there's a right way for me, how God has designed me to be involved in this kind of ministry. So it sounds like that's sort of the, the eye opener for you was I'm not, I'm, I don't really want to do this ground up pioneer thing, but mm-hmm. if Lord, if you ever open up an opportunity down the road where it's different than that and it speaks to my gifting, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. So I would say 100% because, you know, I came in and one of the things I asked was, you know, I don't know if this is a bad thing or a fleshly thing, but I just said, hey, what's the finances look like? Yeah. You know, um, and it was like, oh, you know, well, the building's paid off and they have X amount <laughs> in the bank that, you know, you can utilize. And, um, initially was talking about, you know, I was going to have to raise support. Sure. Um, but then we just realized very early on with what God was doing that the church was going to be able to be able to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it, it's interesting. I, I want to make a note here. I think there's probably maybe some listeners thinking, you know, this seems like a very worldly way of thinking about church planting and boy, we should really be talking more about what God is doing and the, how the spirit is moving, that sort of thing. And I, I don't want to leave that aspect out of it, but there mm-hmm. is a, um, a real uh, need for sound thinking and strategic planning to go into church planting Absolutely. to think about resources in the right way. So when when you ask the question to a group of people, you know what are, what resources do we have available to do this? That's not a non spiritual question. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're told to count the cost. We're told 
to in scripture to think about what do we need in order to complete this it's not that you know if the answer is wrong if there's not enough resources we don't do it it might just have to get done in a different way right and it might be, need to be done by someone who has a gift set that's different than than ours mm-hmm. so I, I i want to encourage you know if you're listening and you're a church planter or at least have a planting heart and you're thinking about this um there's all sorts of questions you need to ask and there's mm-hmm. and it's not just you know, do I have a passion for this or is the spirit leading me into this? You can ask the, 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 the brass tax questions, the, the resource questions, uh, because that's just good stewardship yeah. of God's stuff for sure. So, so let me ask you this, uh, now that you're a seasoned pro, now that you are, <laughs> no. uh, yeah, <laughs> no. nope. Uh, but I do, I, I do want your perspective on this. How does it, how does the church, okay. So your, your church, uh, Parkside knew this was time for us to do this, and they stepped in it. Uh, the, the former church here that became Doxa Church, they knew it was time to reach out to get some guidance and to go into planting. So what, is, what are your thoughts here? How does a church know uh, when to take the plunge and either go into a revitalization period or even into a full replant? How, what do you think are some of the indicators there? I think some of the indicators um, are kind of what I said earlier. You know, the whole idea of a church that doesn't evangelize fossilizes, mm. you know, when you're kind of in that place where, hey, are we making disciples that are making disciples, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so if you're not doing that, then I think you're, what are you doing? You know, you have to identify mm-hmm. what it is that you're doing. Um, but, you know, that's a huge aspect of the mission of the church, right? Disciples that are making disciples and, um, you know, to the multiple generations. And I think when we start Failing to do that, you know, I think that should be a huge indicator of what are we doing and how are we going to turn the ship kind of thing. And what I think was so key or or how a church plunges into that, I think it really requires, you know, a vision from the leader Mm -hmm. to be able to say, hey, I see where we're at and I see that we need to do something. And so there was several leaders within there that said, you know, began to realize, hey, we need to do something. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, there's, there's two different, two churches can be in exactly the same place with resources and with people and with, um, uh, you know, what the ministries and what they're doing, but what, but what makes one church, uh, ready for a revitalization or even a full replant is a discontent. You mm-hmm. have to have that with the, the leaders, the lead, if the leaders of the church, the people in the church are seeing what's happening and they're discontent with the amount of evangelism, disciple-making. Are we being ambassadors? Uh, are we, are we uh, reaching to our community? If there's a discontent there, then you're probably ready. If there's not a discontent, if there's just kind of a, a contentedness with where you're at, probably not ready yet right. to replant, right? Yeah. I was, so I've um, joined this network of pastors in Sterling Heights, you know, all evangelical, of course. But, you know, we began... Um, started forming some friendships with other pastors in Sterling Heights. And I went out to lunch with this guy uh, back in that small little amount of window when you could eat at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And <laughs> we had began, I began sharing him the story about Fos and how everything began and, um, and really share how the people actually were for the change. Mm. And he's like, man, you know, that's awesome because, because I came into a church that they weren't, they were, on paper, seemingly okay, you know, 50 to 100 people, I forget what he had said. Um, you know, they weren't on their last leg. 
But he said, you know, they didn't see a need yep. for the change. So he's like, that's what I dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. If you're that, that's probably the worst situation. That's the hardest situation to be a leader in that position. And you've got a group of people and they don't see, a, they don't, they've lost that evangelistic desire, that disciple making desire. And we're not just talking about the need to grow and become bigger. Right. You can be a church of any size and lose that fire mm-hmm. to be part of the mission of Christ, to be making disciples in the world. Right. And, um, but, a, but, a, but a small group of people that have that fire in them, man, that's a, that's a great gift yeah. um, to see a change. Well, you know, I, when I started talking with the interim, I said, let me know how, how ready are these people mm-hmm. for change? And he goes, well, you know, they've been a good group, but, you know, that's been ready for change for a while. He goes, you know, we moved the, the youth room into the preschool room and we've kind of rearranged things in the building. I was like, whoa, we're talking about a totally different <laughs> type of change. Um, <laughs> I said, like, the name, I want to change the name and yeah, do all these things. Yeah. So um, <laughs> he, he said, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I see the big changes you want to do. He's like, uh, let's, let's work at it. You know, let's not just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, drop the bomb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In some ways, a revitalization uh, can be a lot harder than a replant. Because in a replant situation, you go in as a leader and you say, you know, before I even come here, just know the whole thing we're going to close and reopen as a completely different church. We're going to use the resources. Anybody that wants to be part of this thing, revitalization is actually more the long game Mm. where you walk in and you walk alongside of leaders and you say, you know, what of the past are we going to keep and what of the future, you know, what are we going to do differently in the future? And that's actually a, a much harder thing. I, in my opinion, that's a much harder thing to do. So Mm -hmm. with you, with you, you got kind of aspects of both of those things. Um, so man, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing the hard work. What is, what is uh, going to happen? I know, I know this is a, this is a difficult question. Cause if, if I'd ask you at the beginning of last year, what does God have in store for your church this year? You never would have guessed that you'd be going through. We'd all be going through what we're going through. Right. Um, but what kind of, as you've been thinking about the sort of the future of FOS and, and what, what might be coming up this year, what do you, what do you have in store? What are your, what's your sense of where God may be leading you guys? Um, I, I think it's a continuation of what we've been doing. Um, part of my personality is, you know, I, I'm not necessarily patient, mm-hmm. you know, I just get excited. And that, the fact that we only shut down services for four weeks, mm. um, I think scared a lot of people cause I mm. laid out what we, all of what we wanted to do in that four weeks mm-hmm. and people were just thinking yeah. crazy, you yeah. know, for thinking we're going to get all this done in four weeks. And <laughs> I just said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we did it. But, um, I also don't know if on October 4th that we were the most prepared church. Uh, yes. Um, and so I was flying a little bit by the seat of my pants in, yep. in that way. Um, and so I think really, you know, for this next year, I really want to form a great culture, you know, continuing. We're seeing culture build, mm. even though, again, we have a church that meets right after us. Mm-hmm. You know, people are sticking around and there's, you know, friends that have been staying till like three in the afternoon, which oh my is goodness. absurd. Oh but, my goodness. <laughs> um, I, I definitely wanted to make sure that our foundation was, is good really before we do start jumping into a lot of evangelistic things that I would like for our church to get involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're launching our, our community groups. We're launching our various ministries within the church and it's just saying, Hey, we want to make sure that we are taking care of the flock. Well, Mm-hmm. You know, I, 
in the way that Paul encouraged Timothy to do the work of the evangelist, right? I almost need that encouragement to do the work of the shepherd. Oh, good. You yeah. know, because it's like I'm always at times thinking, okay, who who's out there that needs to be in here? That's right. Um, but it's like, no, no, I've been called to shepherd here. That's right. I've been called to care for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's I really want to care well. Um, and obviously that's a ongoing forever thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't want us to neglect the work of the evangelist. And so I just don't want us to rush into the work of the evangelist. We're not ready. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. I, I often tell, uh, uh, planners, guys I talk to who want to go into church ministry. I always say, Hey, look, it's going to feel like this. You're going to, it's going to feel like you are sailing the ship that you are currently building. And that's just how it's going to feel. Like mm. you're going to be, you're going to be sailing it. You're out on the seas, you're doing the work, but you know, in the back in the after, you know, in the back part of the ship there, you are, you are still hammering nails yep. and you're like, yep. I hope this thing doesn't take on water. Right. Right. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you so much, Tyler, for, for coming on the show. I really appreciate leaders who, who uh, really get to the work and are really doing the work of a shepherd, as mm. you just described, and want to see uh, God's mission, what Jesus' mission uh, succeed in here in Metro Detroit. I love being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And if you are in Sterling Heights or in the surrounding area and you want to check out Post Church, you can visit their website. Now, Pay attention here because uh, this is going to throw you off a little bit, uh, but their website is fos, P-H-O-S, dot church. It is not dot com. It is not dot org. Mm-hmm. It is fos, P-H-O-S, dot church, and there you can get their service times. Go check them out. Uh, it'd be a great opportunity to get in and see uh, you know, how church planning works and what it means to be part of a, a revitalized church. And, of course, if you're in the Rochester Hills area, we'd love to have you visit us here at the other weird Greek-named church, Doxa <laughs> Church. You can check us out at doxadetroit.org. Let me encourage you, listeners, uh, to be involved in your church community. Now more than ever is a time for you to be really thinking about what does it mean to, for me to be involved using my gifts within the body of Christ. If you're a Christian and you are not in a gospel-centered, gospel-preaching church community, Please find one and get involved in it. Because right now in this COVID-19 world, it is easy to, to drift away from the church, to check out of community. But here's the thing. It is Jesus' church. We did not come up with this idea. This is, uh, this is Jesus' work. This is where he puts his people. He's the one forming it. It belongs to him. And he calls us to be involved in church communities together because we need them and they need us. At MDP. We are working to fuel the light of the gospel in Metro Detroit for the glory of God. 